Welcome to the Lifehouse Church Podcast. Lifehouse is a church that exists to invite all people to live an uncommon life by following Jesus, doing life together, getting in the game, and leaving a legacy. We hope that today's message helps you grow as a follower of Jesus, gives you perspective to see yourself and others differently, and inspires you to make a difference in the world around you. Now, let's get to this week's message. Good morning, church. One more time. We are excited today to dive into the second part of our series. It is what it is, what it is. I have had people this week talk to me, and they're like in meetings. I have noticed every time somebody has said, it is what it is. And I'm like, good, it's spoiling it for us. So, so whenever you hear that, you'll, you'll, you'll be like, I remember that. That is the series going on at church. But hey, before we dive into that, two quick things. Like I said, first off, life track. If you have not taken life track yet, I want to invite you to join me right after service in Theater 20 for about 35 minutes. We got lunch and child care taken care of for you. I would love to tell you more about the vision of LifeHouse, and LifeTrack is the best step if you, if you want to make LifeHouse your church home. Secondly, it's the second Sunday of the month, and on the second Sunday of the month, we honor a dream teamer at, at LifeHouse just to say thank you. So the dream team, whenever we say dream team, we're not talking about the 1992 dream team, Olympic team, basketball team that was the greatest team of all time. We're talking about the serve team at LifeHouse, those that that put in hours behind the scenes, many of them serve on Sundays, that really make our church happen. And so we have hundreds of volunteers that help, that the, the really help in a bunch of different ways. We have a team of production and worship people that get here at 6.30 a.m. on Sundays. Come on, someone. They don't sleep in on, on their Sundays. Can we give it up for them? We appreciate them. We have people come up and do Lifehouse Kids, hospitality, that go out and serve in different ways throughout our city. And so we just got so many people, but we want to publicly today acknowledge one particular dream teamer that is just really, really special to us. And we just want to show her uh, appreciation. And she's got to somewhat act surprised because we did this in first service as well. And so we want to publicly thank dream teamer Mary Dawn Carrier. Come on up, Mary Dawn. If you know Mary Dawn, you love Mary Dawn. Go ahead and come on up up here. And um, we just sincerely want to say thank you. So she actually oversees the production team, the kind of like slides, lights, and kind of all of the stuff that kind of like happens um, that no one sees, but everyone notices, right? When something bad happens with sound, everyone's like, you know it's only on one person, right? The way that I say it is, is kind of like the sound person is kind of like the field goal kicker in football. You got one job, brother, make kicks. And when you don't make kicks, everyone knows, right? They're like, dude, all you do is kick field goals all, all day, right? It's kind of the same with the sound guy, right? It's like, dude, you got one job. You got sound. And anyway, there's she overseas. Huh? Uh, exactly. We love you, Ryan. Give it up for Ryan here running our soundboard for us. But Mary Dawn, we just want to give you a small gift just as a small way of saying thank you for all you do. She probably spends three hours on a Saturday putting together the slides each week. Um, and this is all volunteer. So there, there, there is no like per hour charge or anything like that. She does it all because she loves our church. Um, 
And, you know, I still remember the first time we met Mary Dawn. Me and Kristen met her and her husband Adam in a life group. And what a unique um, meeting that was. I won't tell you about it, uh, but it, w- it was just really interesting. She, she said something in the small group that was just really shocking. And we were like, oh, you're very vulnerable. You're, you're going to fit very well here at our church, right? Uh, so we're just grateful for Yes, yes, yes. We're just grateful for you, thankful for you, though. And um, honestly, church, it's people like her that really empower LifeHouse to do what we do. And so we just love you. We're grateful for you. We thank you. And we today do what Scripture tells us to do, give honor to whom honors do. So here you go. We love you, and we're grateful for you, girl. If you see, see her any place around here, thank her, give her a hug, something. Buy her a $25 Starbucks gift card. She is a Starbucks addict. So if you do that, that would be great. But all right, it is what it is, part number two. So with this series, right, this slogan, it is what it is, simply means that, like, it, you got to take it for what it is. You can't deny it. It's, it. It is just truth. And last week we said some, okay, P, PJ Youth, if you are a youth, Youth, 6th to 12th grade, typically they, they put some up, uh, up here for me. If you're in the 6th through 12th grade, yes. If you're in the 6th through 12th grade, you can go to Lifehouse Youth right over there. It's, let's go ahead and give it up for all of our teenagers, our students. You can go give it up to, to them. They'll be in theater 20 doing their thing, living the uncommon life there. So thank you, John Lynn, for that. Appreciate that. But um, it, it is what it is. Okay, so last, last week we said some of these statements. We, we said Chick-fil-A is the Lord's chicken. It is what it is. Like, this is what it is. We said the Dallas Cowboys are terrible. And they're going to have a terrible season. It is what it is. Okay. Ah, but let me give you a couple more. Target is better than Walmart. You know that's true. Cookout is cheap food. It is what it is, right? Packers are the Lord's team. Yeah, I, I, don't, I don't know what it is. We just attract Green Bay Packer fans. It's the weirdest thing at our church, but it is what it is. It is. So anyway, anyway, this book of James that we read in the Bible is literally... A book where, like, James doesn't hold back. He just says, Are, you better be ready for some truth because it's going to punch you in the face. Right? And really the thing is, is that many times we can be like a cat with water when it comes to truth. Where we, we can want to be free and the truth will set us free, but many times the truth hurts us first. And I don't know about you, but I have discovered inside of Inside of me, I can have a little lawyer that wants to try to blame and defend whenever I encounter truth instead of accepting it and saying, Lord, I need to receive this. Help me to change. So with this series, we have prayed last week, we prayed this, give me an appetite for truth. That as we walk through this series, that we wouldn't just hear the truth of God's word and just or I don't agree, or just all of these reactions that many of us have, but we'd say, Lord, give us an appetite that will take your truth and not just be hearers, but doers of, of the word. So what we're going to do, I'm, I'm going to actually have you stand one more time. Welcome to 
You go ahead, stand up. We're going to pray, and then we're going to read God's word, getting the exercise in today, you know, getting your body weight squats in. But um, we're going to pray this prayer today, and, and the prayer is going, to be, is, is going to be on the screen behind me. And if you would, I'm going to start and join in with me as we pray this. Lord, give me revelation as I embark into the deep waters of my soul today. Give me understanding of your word, grace with myself, and a desire to obey what your best is. And everyone said, amen. amen. All right, James 1, 13 through 18. You can stay standing. We're going to read God's word together. Let's honor it by standing. This is what it says. James says this. And remember, when you are being tempted, do not say God is tempting me. God is never tempted to do wrong, and he never tempts anyone else. Temptation comes from our own desires, which entice us and drag us away. These desires give birth to sinful actions, and when sin is allowed to grow, it gives birth to death. So don't be misled, my dear brothers and sisters. Whatever is good and perfect is a gift coming down to us from God our Father, who created all the lights in the heavens. He never changes or casts a shifting shadow. He chose to give birth to us by giving us his true word. And we, out of all creation, became his prized possession. Amen. You may be seated. My subject title today is called The Two Trajectories of Temptation. The Two Trajectories of Temptation. Because you can hear clearly what James is confronting today. Whenever he says, hey, just let me remind you about a couple things about temptation. First off, God doesn't tempt us. So God does not turn the red light on at Krispy Kreme when you're driving by it. So stop blaming him, okay? Like, God, you turned that light on so you could test, test me. No, you've developed a desire for unhealthy donuts, <laughs> right? Right? So God doesn't tempt us. He's not a cosmic matador. So he's not like, hey, <laughs> you know, like he, he's not doing that to us. Secondly, to what, what James says is temptation stems from our desires, not God tempting us. It's from the stuff that comes from within us that draws us away to be temp tempted and leads us to possibly doing things that we should not do. The third thought is this, is that temptation has a trajectory. And you can hear this in Paul's, or excuse me, in James's language when he says desire leads to temptation. Temptation leads to the actual action. Action then leads to death, right? And so you, you can see this. He's like, God doesn't tempt you. The desire prompts, prompts the temptation. If you give in to the temptation, you'll do the action. If you give in to the action multiple times, that will then lead you on a trajectory towards death, physically and spiritually. And what I found interesting studying this is I had the hardest time talking about temptation without talking about 
desire. Because you can't separate them. Because honestly, what leads many times to temptation is, is the desires we have. So let me tell you what I did for the first time in the history of our church. I broke th- I'm breaking this sermon up into a part one and a part two. Praise the Lord. Someone said, praise the Lord. Because what I will do is I will take a 70-minute message and try to give it to you in 35. And the sermon goes 50 minutes. So we always go over. So I'm giving you a gift today. I'm going to do half, half this week, half next week. So, to, so today I'm going to deal with desire. Next week I'm going to talk about temptation because we can't talk about temptation until we talk about desire. Because dealing with temptation without talking about desire is talking about the fruit without talking about the root. We live in a culture that wants to deal with symptoms and not roots. Actions and not, sis- and not systems. Right? Can I get an amen? So we don't want to do that. We want to say we're tempted. And here's the thing. All of y'all tempted by some by, by different stuff. Okay? We, I think sometimes when, 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 when we think about temptation, we always think about sex only. But this is tempted by food, money, alcohol, approval. I, 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 I mean, the temptation game is long and wide and deep. And we can all be tempted by a bunch of different stuff, but we can't just talk about the temptation if we don't dig into this question. And this is my question for you today. Have you ever wondered why you desire what you desire. Let's talk. <laughs> like why? Like why, why do you desire what, what you desire? Like why do you desire certain people's approval? Why do you desire the attention of that girl or guy? Why do you desire to always be in charge and in control? Why? What? <laughs> what did someone say? Oh. <laughs> hey, I, I'm, I'm, just, I'm just delivering the mail. I'm just the mailman. I'm not giving the mail. I don't, I don't create the mail. I, I, just, I just got my blue backpack on today, and I'm just giving out mail. It is what it is. Why do you desire to gamble away all your stuff and money? Like, what is it that you just play fantasy sports and slots and all of, like, what desire is that? Why do you desire to play video games all day instead of spending time with instead of spending time with your family? Why do you desire to go behind your husband's or wife's back and physically or emotionally cheat on them? Why do you desire to buy stuff you don't you don't even need? Why do you desire to drink the pain away or to get away from reality? 
Why do you desire to watch pornography? Why do you desire to have 14 of everything in your house? Why do you have to eat the whole bag of chips? Like, I did not know that was going to be the one that was going to stir the most. <laughs> Why do you have to eat the whole pizza? Why do you have to eat the whole dessert? Why, why do you have to have that much in your bank account or 401k? Welcome to Lifehouse. If this is your first time here, I, hey, you prayed as I navigate into the deep waters of my soul. Lord, I said, Lord, give you understanding, grace with yourself, Right? Because I knew where I was going. There's a lot of talk, and I just I want to stop and just address it. But I'm gonna keep it. I'm gonna keep it moving. Y'all can keep talking. But honestly, like, why do you desire what you desire? And I think if we were all candid, honest, some of it is a combination of nature and nurture. Some stuff is deeply ingrained in your proclivities that you can't even put a finger on why you desire it. And it can be a bunch of crazy stuff. But also, too, you have to realize you are in a culture that, is, that, that wants to train your desire. Curate your desire. To get what? Your time, attention, and money. And some of y'all have been baited by the hook of culture, and you're following the, the desire of somebody else behind a desk in some other city that has hooked you and is leading you. When you really examine why you desire what you desire, it is an insane mixture of a lot. That to, to deconstruct would take a lot of courage. Because some of you desire things that are toxic for you. And the thing is, the desire isn't bad, but it's got a root. And if you don't, and, and, and so here's the question here. Here is my dare. How, how many of you have seen that movie, The Christmas Story? One of the best movies of all time. 24-hour marathon on TBS every Christmas season. And how you got the kid, right? He's like, I triple dog dare you. And he was triple dog daring him to put his tongue on the pole when it was cold. Right? And they're all out there yelling, and he's like, I triple dog dare you. And the guy's like, that was the mother of all dares, you know. Well, honestly, like, I triple dog dare you. Like, I dare you to do the hard work of deconstructing why you desire what you desire. And I put a smiley face there because I put a smiley face there because I want you to hear my heart. Y'all, this is excruciating work. 
that honestly, our culture will not encourage you to do. Many times you only get to the point of doing this whenever you hit a wall or you explode or, or you, you have a blow, like a blow up, blow out moment. When Tiger Woods was at the height of his career, yet going behind his wife's back and sleeping with hundreds of women, what did he get into? Sex therapy. He got into sex therapy. He had to dig into the root of why in the world am I going out with this reckless, insane, and crazy behavior behind my wife's back? What am I really trying to fill inside of me? And is it even fillable? He had to go and deconstruct his desire. And when, whenever you dig in, and he's talked about this, his, his dad cheated on his mom like crazy. So, so do you know what he had? Modeling. And you combine modeling with the culture and no sexual standard in his own life, and then he wonders why the, his, his desire was what it was. Crazy. Reckless behavior. Drunk. Like, he has the most famous drunk picture in the world. Have you seen him when he got booked? He looks like crazy man. This dude won, I'm in. But that, that is what unchecked desire will do. Undiscovered desire will do. Undeconstructed desire will do. It will run rampant and control your life until you can identify and name it. And I'm telling you, if you embark on this desire to deconstruct why you desire what you desire, get ready. Because you're going to encounter, you're, you're going to, uncover a whole lot. I mean, it could be experiences that you've had. It could be words that have been spoken to you. There's a lot there, y'all. Now, I've always said that whenever I started LifeHouse that I would strive to be as real as possible. There's a difference, though, between, between being real and raw. Raw is like oversharing, right? Real is I'm trying to be relatable, right? Like I'm, I'm, I'm trying to say how can I take something possibly in my own life and give you handles of something to relate it to. And so I wanna share with you how this has played a part in my own life and how in the past two years since July 2020, I've been on this journey of deconstructing these desires in my heart. So since I was 25 years old, I wanted to start a church. Literally, I, I had the desire to start and plant a church. When I even heard about church, like starting a church, like you can do that? And church planting, like I feel like my heart came alive. I, I was like, this is what I absolutely want to do. And I even found this, this document I wrote down when I was 25. And I wrote down, what could the church be? And I, and I, and I just wrote thoughts. Churches should be outward focused. Churches should be for their city. Churches should be. I'm sorry, I've got this green thing going on here, down here. Um, and it was absolutely crazy. Looking at that document two years later, it is literally what Lifehouse has become. It's beautiful. It's absolutely beautiful. But 
my desires from when I was 25 to plant a church through the process of a lot of different experiences, a lot of different words that were spoken, just a lot of different things, actually became distorted over a period of time. Even a pure desire became distorted. Okay, so one of the things you have to do whenever you're beginning to plant or start a church, especially through different denominations or different networks, is you have to go through a through kind of an assessment. So they you like you have to go through you know do do you know do we believe this guy can actually do this? Does he have the gifts? Does he have the skill set? Does he know how to preach? Does he know how to organize a church? Does he know how to do outreach and counseling and all of these different different pastoral responsibilities and church planning responsibilities, right? And so I went through all of that stuff. It's kind of the dog and pony show, right? It's like you, you know, you have to prove that you're worthy of, uh, of them investing in you financially. And they want to make sure that you've got the goods to actually do it, right? So I went through all of that. It was a long process, a, a, you know, a lot of pre-work, two days of talking through different things. And when the report, they give you a report back to how they think you're going to do. Let me share with you one line in, in the report that marked me for years. Ready? Candidate where is most likely to plant an average-sized church. The average-sized church in the United States is like 90 people. So I saw that, and I was like, oh, okay. Average? You think I'm average? You think this stuttering preacher is average? Really? Well, I got something for your average. I'm going to show y'all. Church ad, right? And so... When I saw that, something sparked within me, and it wasn't healthy. It was this, I'll show you. I had a pure desire to start a church, but when you hear words like this spoken, if you let that seep into your desire and into your heart, desires can become distorted. Right? And so as we were walking through the process of starting this church, I did not realize what had happened where I had actually started to find my identity in the size of the church that we would start. I told y'all that I would be real, okay, all right? Because, you know, I, I, you know I, can't do it I can't do it no other way. So as we went on this journey, we went on this process, um, we saw the church grow. Like we saw God doing incredible things through our city and, you know, we, we launched very, very large and we were already above average. And, but it was wild how even though I had gotten what I had hoped for, that desire still wasn't tamed. So then it became no matter how big we grew, it wasn't good enough because all I could see was average. I was like, yeah, I'll show y'all average. So though I had a pure desire to build the kingdom of God, I was using his church to fulfill something in me 
that wasn't healed. Right? So just go, you know, so imagine you have you have a pastor who finds his identity in the size of his church, and then 2020 happens. That is why pastors struggled <laughs> during the pandemic. I couldn't see my success. We, we were all behind a screen. And I'll just be honest, internally, it was a nosedive. And I hit a point where I, I was losing my mind. I, I had so much stress up here, I couldn't turn my head to the left. I had so much stress. It was it like, but I couldn't pinpoint why I was feeling what I was feeling. I didn't know how to deconstruct what what like like this. I didn't know how to deconstruct these desires that I had. So I was like, I need help. So I went online. I went to like I typed in Google. Right, whenever you need help, you go to Google. All right. So I went to Google and I literally typed in pastor retreat. Like I just need something. Just need to get away. Need some help. Thankfully, I found a specific ministry in California called Soul Shepherding, who's there, who their ministry is set up to help pastors shepherd and care for their own souls. So I was like, I don't know who these people are. I don't know what's going to happen here, but they have this retreat in California in, in, July, of 20, in, in July of 2020. I'm going to fly out to California and see what this is all about. And I was really scared because I was like, great, it's going to be a bunch of overly emotional people talking about their feelings in circles, throwing our sins in, in, in some sort of fire, right? I go, God, here we, here we go. So I was scared, right? I was scared, scared, scared. So we fly out there to go to California. We drive out into this mountainous place in Orange County. It's at this retreat home in the middle of, no, of nowhere. We drive up. The first session, they kind of do a general introduction, and then they say, hey, the guys and girls, we're, we're, we're going to break up and talk. I'm like, oh, Jesus. Here we go. A bunch of, you know, a bunch of dudes crying, bare, barefoot, playing acoustic guitar. You know, this is just going to be bro time. You know, I wasn't, you know, just here, here we go, you know. And so we break up. And what the leader of the retreat says, he says, hey, we've got pictures right here. I want you to pick the picture that describes how your soul is doing. I was like, this is the dumbest thing that I have ever done. I'm in California, about to talk to other dudes from a picture about how my soul feels. This is dumb. But the pictures were based on Psalm 23. So there were six pictures. There were six scriptures in Psalm 23. There were six different pictures, and I... I was like, okay, I'm going to play along. But it was Psalm. So I picked this picture of a wandering sheep because I felt lost. I was like, I don't even know what the, I, like, I just feel lost. And the verse on the back was Psalm 23.1, which says, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not lack. Which that was a funny word because in my life, I felt so much lack. So uh, all the guys go, okay? So all, I mean, they're crying, they're snotting, you know, they're giving each other tissues, you know, love, love you, bro, you know, and I'm just like, oh, Jesus, you know, and I'm like, this is exactly what I didn't want, you know? And I'm looking at this, 
at this card, and and I'm and I don't say this I don't say this very often because I don't want this to just be taken as as, as whatever. But I felt like I heard the still small voice of the Holy Spirit say, "John, you love me, but I'm not your shepherd." And there's a reason you feel lack, because what shepherds you feeds you, what feeds you fills you. And what I identified was what had been my shepherd is church growth. And that was feeding me, and that was not filling me. Because no matter how much church growth you have, if you focus on church growth, it's never enough. And as I delved into that desire to grow the church, what was actually beneath it was a wounded little boy, wounded by words, deeply ridden with shame, that, didn't, that, that, that took that comment and defined himself by it because deep down I felt that way about myself. And what I had actually done is I tried to take God's church and use it as a platform and way to find identity and purpose that I should have only found in God himself, not his bride, the church. Do you know how painful it was to deconstruct and get there? God, I want to grow your church. Grow your church. But the desire was distorted. And really, that, that is why whenever you're talking about desires, you have to understand a couple things about desires. The first one's this. You have desires because you're made in, in the image of God. Desires are not bad. God has, des- God has desires. You can actually, there are things in, in the Bible where it talks about God having desires. So you having desires is not bad. But secondly, you have to realize you have desire, like, you have desires, but, and desires are not bad, but they are broken. Meaning, your desires can be, can be infiltrated and diluted with a lot of different hurts, wounds, and experiences. I had a desire to grow the church, but it had become diluted because I was going to find my identity in the church. So your desire, see, here's the thing. What you desire, it's not ab- uh, about the thing. It's what the desire is leading you to think about the thing. You can have a desire for deep intimacy with somebody else. And so because you deeply desire that, if you don't deconstruct while you have the desire, you will be tempted to fill that desire with the toxic means. Here's the thing. You can desire to be married. You're like, man, I, I want to get married and have kids, and I want to be, I be, you know, you, you say women. Like, I want to be a family. Like, I want to have the family. And because if you don't check that that if you don't check that desire, then you will compromise your standards and be tempted to compromise with some dude that only wants you for for your body. If you don't check and say is this desire actually what God is desiring at this moment in time? Right? Because you will take even a good desire and have it distorted if you don't check and make sure that that it's actually God's desire for you. So here's the thing, right? You have desires because you're made in God's image. Desires aren't bad, but they are broken. And here's the thing, desires need to be redeemed, and this is what Jesus does. Jesus will take your your desires, and he will redeem them. He'll purify them. He'll take them and make them right 
and holy. And by God's grace, as I've done the hard work of walking through two years of digging beneath this surface level passion, energy, and focus on, on the church, I can say that Jesus has fully redeemed my desire for his church. Where this church is his church. It ain't my church. I'm a steward. And if he wants to grow it, he'll grow it in his timing, in his way. Right? Now, when you're thinking about desire, we, there, Christians get funny when we talk about desire. Okay? And like I said, this is the first part of a two-part message. Because what you'll do with Christians is Christians will do one, will, will, will do, will typically go to one of two sides. And typically Christians do this anyway with anything. Because what are Christians good at? Conflict. <laughs> what are Christians good at? Disunity, right? Um, so let me show you what the church has done and currently does when it, when it comes to desire. Right, one side, and, and what we've got here is the desire, con, is the desire continuum, Right? One side of Christianity, and the culture will tell you, just indulge. You've got desires. <laughs> yeah. Indulge it. Why, like, why wouldn't you? you got the feeling. Do it. But many times what culture doesn't tell you is that freedom leads to being enslaved. Like, yeah, just go ahead and do whatever your body tells you to do. And that leads to people being what? Addicted. That leads to people being enslaved. That leads to people being in bondage. And what, and what the culture won't tell you is freedom comes from having boundaries and from actually realizing that freedom isn't to, to just, just, just to unleash inhibition. Freedom is to, have, is, is to know what your limit is and put a boundary to keep you from going over it. Right? But culture and even some parts of Christianity, you, you got the desire, just indulge it. Yeah, so it's just like, it is what it is, you know? You, you got the feeling to do it. But the other side, and what some Christians have taught is just, is just deny it. It's not really real. It's not a big deal. Just stuff it. Just stuff it down in there. What I have actually realized, though, is what isn't processed and, and what you deny is still there. This ticks me off, man. And churches have been the worst at this. We tell people, just pray it away. Just read the Bible more. And people have these desires inside of them. And the church will just say, well, just, ah, just, just, just stuff it. And we won't give them a safe place to process we won't give them a safe place to be like, I feel this. Because churches can create this whole model of like, you gotta be perfect or things like that. And I just wanna say, this will not be Lifehouse, y'all. We do not want you stuffing this stuff that is inside. Because if you stuff it, it's still there and normally it rots. It really ends up rotting and ends up consuming and contaminating who you are. We will be a safe place. One of the things that some of the church in this area said is that we have stolen is, you're gonna, is at Lifehouse, you're going to get the gospel, safety, and time. You're going you're gonna to get the gospel if you're here. You're going to get a safe place, though. And, you, and you're going to get time to process this stuff inside so then you can move forward 
with and for God's best. So we don't want to indulge desire. We don't want to, to deny desire. What do we have to do then? We have to delight. Like John, what do you, what do you mean by delight? Delight, there is this scripture in Psalm 37, 4 that I just think is so unique. It says this here. It says, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of whose heart? Whose? Your heart. Because I think sometimes, well, God doesn't want to give me my desires because my desires are jacked up. I, you know. When, when, when no, I, don't, I, I think the most jacked up way you have your desire is when you indulge it or when you deny it. But when you delight, the focus isn't your desire, the focus is God. And here, here's the thing, the, the closer you get to his heart, the more his desires become your desires. And really, when I was thinking about the best way that I could explain this is kind of like a sponge. You know this is what your heart is like? Your heart is like a sponge. Whatever it soaks in, it will soak up. What, whatever your heart is soaking in, it will soak up. So some of you wonder why your desires are the way that they are. I would just ask, what are you soaking up? What are you soaking in? You might say, I don't have God's, I, like, I don't have God's desires. Well, that might be because of what you're soaking in, you're soaking up. That could be people. That could be what you do in your spare time. That could be how your life is set up. But when I was thinking about the, the best way to explain this is your heart is like a sponge. And God says, delight yourself in the Lord. And really, when I think about delighting, I think about just being consumed by. Have you ever seen somebody delighting? Like, when I see my kids eating and they're hungry, there is a delighting. Like smile, or you know what? When I see Carrie Jones eating, <laughs> like I see delighting. Like he starts like tearing up. He's so happy. I'm, I'm, I mean, his love for food is unparalleled. I mean, like I want to love Jesus the way Carrie Jones loves food. You, <laughs> and those of you that know Carrie and you've eaten with him, you know that. But there's just this delight of like, ah. And when, when I think of the Lord and when it says delight yourself in the Lord, I just think of like you soaking up like the character of God, the goodness of God, the love of God, the joy of God, the peace of God. And you structure your life in a specific way to actually delight in him. Where you're with him, you're spending time with him. You're just not trying to get something from him. Like when I look at my trajectory, even when I look at like I was doing things for God to get something from God, not to get him. 
Isn't that crazy? Like, my desire was distorted. And I would only be delighted when we saw growth. And I'm like, how toxic is that? But delighting yourself in the Lord is just wanting Him. It's not wanting something from Him. It's not just wanting blessings from Him. It's like, Lord, I want you. I want your heart. And then he says, like, delight yourself in the Lord, and then he'll give you the desires of your heart. And I think be, he, why it says he'll give you the desires of your heart, because when you soak up and you delight in him, his heart becomes your heart. So when you live, what comes out of you and what you pour out to all of those around you is his heart. So wherever you go, as you soak, as you delight in him, you carry his heart to whatever environment you go. And it's just like, when the pressures of life happen, what comes out? His desire. Delight. Desire. Delight in him. What comes out? Desire. When you delight yourself in the Lord, his desires become your desires. And what you actually see is he ends up redeeming your desires and purifies them and puts them in a place where it will be a blessing to you instead of a curse. Do you know how many times I prayed for God to grow our church and how I'm thankful he did it? Why? Because I would be a pastoral statistic right, right now because my soul wouldn't have been able to actually handle anything else. Aren't you grateful that God doesn't answer some of the prayers you prayed? Aren't you grateful he doesn't always give you the desire that you want? But as you delight in him, and, that, and that's to say now, I pray God grows his church, but I don't need it, y'all. I don't need it for significance. I don't need it to fill this void. If he does it, praise be to God. It's his church any, any, anyway. And that's where he wants us to get with anything. Any desires you have. You're like, I want intimacy. I want a wife. That's not a bad, that's not a bad desire. But you know what you can do? Deny it. Or, or, or you can indulge. And what I would say, God, is delight in him. And as you're going for him, God will probably bring somebody beside you that you'll be like, oh, hey, you are delighting too. I'm delighting. Let's delight together, right? Like, <laughs> right? Because if you just focus on indulging, I need a spouse, you'll be tempted to do what? Compromise, which will lead to temptation. Temptation leads that. Do, do y'all see it? And this is why next week we've got to build on this. I couldn't get to temptation without talking to you about your desire. My heart is that you'll dive in and deconstruct why you desire what you desire. The, the toxic stuff. That you know you've gone down that path hundreds of times. You even know whenever you start down that path where it goes. But you've never explored why you desire the path. You just know the cycle that it takes to get there. And what I would encourage you to do is to do the hard work. Why do you desire what you desire? And as you go in, my heart for you is that you would do exactly what Psalm 37.4 says. Delight yourself in him.
delight. Center your life around Jesus. Don't just have Jesus as this, this just like add on to your life. Put, put him in the center and have your life revolve around him. Delight in him. And then as you delight in him, he'll change your desires. He'll give you new desires. He'll give you his desires. And then God doesn't have, you know how it's like, I'm, I can't entrust something to my son until he's ready for it. And that's what I believe God was doing. God was like, John, I can't trust you with anything beyond what you have right now because it will kill you. I can't give my son keys to the car at eight years old and be like, hey son, go have fun with that. But dad, I wanna drive. Yeah, but you'll die. I think there's so many things that God in his love is holding back from you because you need to purify your desire first. Why do I desire this? And get that pure. And then I believe, man, delight yourself in him and he'll give you the desires of whose heart? Your heart. Come on, church, would you stand up with me? Was that good today? Was, was that help, help, helpful? Lift up hands with me. Jesus, we love you. We thank you for today. Lord, I just pray that as we do the hard work of why do we desire what we desire, as we look in, we see the brokenness, we see the pain, we see all of these even good desires that have been diluted and, and uh, have been toxified. I pray that we would do the hard work of diving in. In God, that we would get to the root of our desire. Because God, we can't handle temptation if we don't understand desire. So God, I pray for your people today that as they think about this and process this, I pray that, Lord, you would bring supernatural revelation through the Spirit of God that would bring freedom to people's hearts and to people's lives. Thanks again for listening to this week's message. And if today's message helped or inspired you, feel free to share it with someone. If after today's message you have questions, need help, or just want somebody to talk to or process with, just shoot LifeHouse a text to 757-690-2401. For more information about LifeHouse, you can visit us at lifehouseonline.church. That's lifehouseonline.church.